welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. On this week's episode, I'll be talking with my friend Paige about anorexia and bulimia. There might be some things that are said that trigger you. If that's the case, I invite you to not listen to this episode or to listen with caution. We'll be talking frankly and candidly about this very serious eating disorder and the recovery that came along with it for Paige. Hi, hi, welcome to the podcast. This week I have another guest with me and I'm super excited to have Paige here to record an episode with me on the podcast. Say hello. Hi everybody. Paige is um, a lot of things. She's my client, she's my friend, and she has a really awesome story of her history with her relationship with food and her body. She's um, overcome eating disorder, which a lot of us, whether we are eating disordered history people or we have a history of eating disorders, uh, whether it's too too much food or too little food or somewhere in between. A lot of us have a history of disordered eating. And just walking down the street, it's easy to think that when you see someone that looks like they're fit and healthy, that they've always been that way. And typically, everyone has a story. And where I sit, I get to hear a lot of stories, and I want to bring some of them to you because it's very comforting to know that we are not alone. And if we're in a position where we're struggling, it's easy to just assume we're the only ones. But um, there's a lot of power in hearing that other people have been where we are, think how we think, and therefore, if they've overcome, that means that any of us can find healing and can find a way to live at peace with food. So hence the desire to share some stories here, and I'm super happy that Paige is willing to be um, vulnerable and open and honest about her story, and hopefully it will resonate with some of you um, who may think similarly or come from the same place. So, thank you, Paige, in advance. Of course. We just recorded this episode and it didn't work, <laughs> and so we're starting over. So hopefully we'll be more uh, more concise this time around. Anyway, you figure there's a good reason for it. But my microphone was across the room and it was recording, and <laughs> we had this amazing podcast for you, and oh. now. It's dead in the trash can, and we're going to start over, but that's all right. It was a practice run. So Paige and I lift every morning, and I write Paige's workouts, and Paige came to me last year. Um, very common first client conversation of she knows all the things but doesn't really have a clear path on what things to implement. There's so much information. And so um, it's been really fun to take someone like Paige who is a workhorse, who does everything <laughs> I tell her, and see her get the results that she wants in a way that works for her. And so, um, and in so doing, I got to hear her story, and it's inspiring to me. So welcome, Paige. It's a long you. intro. Um, so Paige is from Canada. She's from Canada. Yes. And, so, and I'm from Minnesota, which is, you know, next door. So we've enjoyed, it's, there's not many Midwesterners here. There's not many Middle Americans here. And certainly not many Canadians. No. So it's kind of fun to be sort of from the same region. So, so Paige, tell everybody a little bit about uh, your history with food and kind of what your childhood relationship was and when it was good and when it maybe wasn't, wasn't so, so good. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so growing up, um, 
probably in elementary school. I want to say grade four. That's that's thrown out at me. Um, I was a little bit, uh, a little bit of a chunky monkey. My mom wanted to do everything that made me happy, and I think that was just food. She ordered multiple sides of like full fat bacon for her daughter because she would. I swear to God, we. I remember we were at like a buffet. And I don't know if maybe they were taking too long with the bacon or they didn't have bacon that she actually ordered me like three or four sides. I'm like, oh my God, why are you doing that to me? <laughs> of course, at the time it was, I loved it. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people equate our gen, our mom's generation. There's a lot of equating food with love. Yeah. Was that the case in your? Oh my gosh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Very common. I did the same thing with my son. It's like oh, reward yeah? and fun and love and food becomes something. I that love you. Not. Eat this. Yeah. Yeah. So that was probably grade four. Um, but like, look, at the time, I don't remember being like, like looking different than the other kids. Like I never, it just didn't dawn on me. I, I just, which was good, of course. But then in middle school, I remember so distinctively, there just was a time that I stopped eating. I didn't want to eat anymore. And I don't know what triggered that or what caused that, but my dad, a very fit man, <laughs> um, ate a lot. He was, he was a, obviously looking back, um, at the time I always thought he was like a crazy gym person, but, <laughs> but he got so mad at me because I wouldn't want to eat. And growing up, him and my, my grandpa actually too, we're always like, oh, you're such a good eater, you know? <laughs> and then, so I, you got praised for that. And then there, I just didn't want to. And that, yeah, that was probably in middle school. I, and then I was doing cheerleading too. Um, so I, I mean, I was staying fit, I guess. I was doing, I did dance class too. Um, and then in high school, I did softball, so I was staying active a little bit. I hated gym class, so I never went to gym class. But it was in high school that I remember the exact day. It was like the first day after summer vacation. It was the girl that came in who, I swear, was like 30 pounds she lost in the two months of summer. And I remember looking at her and I felt like all of the guys liked her and everyone, you know, I wanted to be like her. Yeah. She was confident. I mean, from what, of course, looking in what I thought was confident. Um, And so I wanted to be just like her. I felt like people would like me more. Um, And at that time, I was working at a fast food place. And it was kind of a place um, that you just did everything by yourself. It was a very small place. Um, so I cooked, took the orders, and I just started eating that food. Mm. And Yum. it just kind of turned in. I felt like I was I was slowly gaining weight, and I felt super blech, very... Yeah uncomfortable in my body how old were you i think this was grade either grade 10 i want to say grade 10 it's like 15 16 yeah and i just felt so not happy i didn't have any confidence i played softball growing up um for years 
And then when I got that first job, I stopped playing because I just wanted to work. I didn't want to play softball. It was five days a week. Mm. And I just felt like, you know, now I want to I want to make money so I can go and hang out with my friends. And then when I started putting on a little bit of weight, I wasn't, I felt very uncomfortable. So seeing that girl after summer vacation, like 30 pounds down, feeling confident and she looked super happy I was like I want to be like her I want to be skinny because when I'm skinny I'll be happy and it was either that day or like the following week that I actually went on my phone and I like googled how to become bulimic yeah wow I still can't believe that yeah and like I said there's um, there's lots of like the pro Anna, which are pro anorexia. Is it anorexia? Anorexic. I just cannot believe that there are websites that. Yeah, I hope they're like because they. I think when I used to even years ago go on it, they some of them were banned. Like some of them you couldn't get access to, but there were definitely some threads, and so they gave you tips and little tricks on how to either not eat as much, how to restrict. So they had ones on restricting food. Then they had little threads on what I, um, what I did was the binging and purging. So they had little tips on that. So, yeah. And it's like, I remember going on it and it's like weird because I was trying to like educate myself on how to eat more so I could just get rid of it and I so when I find when I kind of started doing that a little bit it was oh my gosh it was just like this big looking back it was this big rabbit hole that I had no idea because I thought I was like okay I'm gonna start this I'm gonna do it for a couple months I'm gonna become skinny and happy and then all of a sudden I'm just gonna stop uh-huh. and this was high school <laughs> this is high school so I thought I could just magically stop and like everything's gonna be okay. My body's just, you know, gonna be okay with it. I'm gonna dabble just a little bit. Yeah. But it's like I didn't even think at that time when I first Googled that, I never thought to myself, I just didn't care maybe, that like, hey, maybe after this it's gonna mess with you mentally. Like this might take a toll on you mentally. And it, I just didn't think that. I thought that everything I would just live a happy little life skinny magically you know with but oh my god that was not the case do you remember the first time that you made yourself throw up Mm-mm. i don't actually it's sad really sad to say there was just so like that whole part of my life those episodes when you do something like that and you're doing those behaviors for me at least it was a very foggy moment Mm-hmm. Like it's it's kind of like what I felt and I remember being there. It's something that you kind of, it's like an out-of-body experience. Mm. And you feel like you're watching yourself doing it. Like looking back, I just, I remember being like those minutes that you're in there and you're doing something so awful to your body, you feel like you're not there. Gotcha. And then it's kind of like you wash your face, you get whatever, and you walk out the bathroom, then life restarts. It was a weird little, mm. like, episode that you're 
I felt I just, I wasn't human. You know, I was just doing this thing for a bigger purpose of being skinny, which, oh no. And you, but it worked. I mean, as far as, I mean, those behaviors, typically you drop weight, you. Yep. And I went, it was, I remember when my sister first confronted me, she had a friend over and she was banging on the bathroom and she's like, I know what you're doing. And was a very, like I was her baby sister, you know, to, to see, Mm. I guess, think about me doing that was heartbreaking, I'm sure. And she was a very like, kind of angry. She was very angry at me. And I remember that day I drove to my mom's work and I just bawled. I bawled my eyes and I was apologizing and saying like, this is, you know, what's going on. And my mom's not stupid either. And she's like, I know. And she was a very, like, it's okay. You know, we're going to get through this. Everything's going to be okay. And I think that's what I needed to hear. And I ended up getting put into a, this was after high school now. Yeah, so I, how long was this behavior a part of your life? I want to say from the time, from that grade, when I started in about grade 10, like I feel like that whole time is just like a really big fog, Um, but probably in grade 10 until dabbled with all that throughout the rest of high school, Mm. Um, and then it was after high school, after I graduated, that I was put into the day program, and that was a 12-week program, very structured you ate all of your meals there. It was an eight to five, Monday to Friday. And you were with girls that were there, um, like me, through the day, just for the day. And then others that were full, um, they were hospitalized. So they were an inpatient. And then I remember going there, being happy that I wasn't as sick as some of the girls, but then also feeling like, I wish I was as sick as them because then I, in my mind, I would have been skinnier, which Mm. in hindsight, I would have felt happier. Do you think you were ever, would have ever looked in the mirror and felt like you were too thin if someone else hadn't intervened? Like, did you Mm -hmm. know it was getting dangerous for how thin you were or did you feel like the behavior was just getting uncontrolled? I felt the behavior was getting uncontrolled, but looking at myself, I felt like I could have, I wanted to be skinnier. Mm. And I think... Lots of those, this is what's really dangerous, but lots of those pro-Anna websites, the girls talk about being under 100 pounds in the 90s. And for me, the lowest I was was 108. And I remember reading some of those and being like, well, okay, so I'm still fat because I'm not in this category of under 100 pounds. But I remember going to lots of doctor's appointments with my mom and just feeling weak. Like, I I just, my head, like, I couldn't concentrate. I just, Mm -hmm. it was... Did you fall asleep a lot? I I felt like I didn't fall... Well, actually, um, I was cold all the time. Oh, yes. That I slept with a heater, like, less than a... My mom would always get mad because it would, like, burn. It would... I don't know if it even burned some of the blankets sometimes, but I would fall asleep right in front of my heater and I would like wake up with like red, like my skin would hurt because mm. it was, it was awful. Like, Ugh, so yeah, cold. you know, so, cause you're always cold. So, and everyone always asked, I brought a heater to work. Like there were so many things 
that are like such red flags that I would the amount of like lying and deceit that goes into behaviors like that like still to this day I hold a crap ton of guilt because there were so many lies that I told my family and it just did they believe you though or was it one of those yeah it's one of those things where you're in the sickness and they know and they know but it's like what are and the thing is they both worked like I, I think I, I was living with my mom and sister, and they both worked all the time. So they can't... We're all grown women. They can't always keep an eye on me. And I hated when they did. Yeah. You know, and you, you hate them. You resent them because you're like, I just let me do this. Yeah, leave me alone. Yeah. And you were, you were pretty thin. I would imagine that people noticed and said things about how thin you were, right? Yeah. Lots of... Like, I remember people asking... And I think this was even at the time where I, I wasn't working out, but I said I was. Like, just so people didn't really think about it. And uh, I just said, I'm, I'm watching what I'm eating and I'm working out. Okay, well, I was eating like crap. I was eating a lot and I wasn't working out, you know, but I would lie and say that I would so people wouldn't look into it. Yeah. So, so much lying that went on with that. That's like, oh my God, feeling really, really bad, you know? Did they deal with any of that when you were in your group program? You know what? I don't remember them actually doing that. I think it was so hyper-focused on getting the structured eating in and more of the self-love. Like we did a lot of um, worksheets and stuff and like journaling about like how you're feeling, but it never really... I felt like they never talked about the guilt that you have on your loved ones, Mm -hmm. which I think maybe is something I'm like still working on it, but do you guys talk about it? Um, it's hard because it's like, this is just what I get from it. There's, I think that's like a part of their lives that same with me that I don't, I like talking about it because it's, I feel like it helps me heal, but maybe for them it's like not a positive thing because it's someone like if I were to think about my sister like my best friend doing the thing like hurting their body in that kind of way I wouldn't want to talk about it I wouldn't want to remember it yeah and I think for them it was a hard really sad time too that it's just like let's just forget about it yeah you know so you went to an uh, outpatient program in 12 weeks. Yeah. And was there a turning point during that program that you feel like... Because I think some people can go to those, not really immerse and end up, you know, it doesn't necessarily help them. I mean, you do get to, you do get a choice yeah. on if you want to be helped and if it helps you. And there's a lot of people who go through programs that doesn't work for them. So what do you think was a kicker for you or, or so a turning point? They did because... They had such a wide, I felt like a wide range of girls that it was like some of them were like, oh my gosh, this girl, poor girl needs to be watched every second. And then it kind of went up to like people to where when I started the program, I definitely wasn't as sick as some of the other girls. And I can't remember if I said it in this podcast already or the other one that we did before about um, feeling not as sick as them and having being happy about it, but then being sad because I'm like, I'm not as skinny, you know? And we did lots of little worksheets, but there was one that we did that was probably halfway through the program, maybe like six weeks into it. 
and it was a big piece of paper and you picked a partner and you would lie on this paper and they um, did an outline of you. And of course, every, I think every, like everyone in this world, honestly, um, has a little bit of body dysmorphia, you know, like when you look at yourself. Mm-hmm. And so obviously all of us girls, and I'm just saying girls because that was what was in the group. I know there are men that struggle with it too. But um, girls that had a very skewed view on the way that they looked. So when you would, someone would draw your outline and then they would put it up on the wall. So you're here thinking that you're huge. Mm-hmm. And then I, I remember looking at that paper and being like, oh, okay. And just like being halfway through the program, being sticking with eating everything that I had to, keeping it in. I was like, I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> and that was where I probably, that started like, you know what? I don't want to live like this. And I remember looking at some some of the girls and being like, I felt so bad for them. Because they, it to me, they were like so far gone. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't want to be like them. When at the beginning of the program, I was like, there was a weird envy about it. I get that, yeah. That's, like, so... It's sick. It's very, very sick. But from then on, I was always... I remember being told that I was doing so well and this and that. And then it's kind of like, huh, okay. You know what? Maybe, I, like, I don't want to live like this. Like, there's got to be some other way. Like, all the skinny people in the world aren't bulimic. Unfortunately, there's probably a, a wide range of them because yeah. it's very common, but I think that once I ended that program, I um, I went to the gym a little bit, but I I wasn't I had no idea what the heck I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> and there was a friend of mine that introduced it to me, and she had a personal trainer, and so I went with her, and we we like messed around for a little bit. We were it was just fun for me because we would just like gossip and hang out, and yes. then we kind of like. I was like, wow, I kind of like this. Like Gym buddies, I yes. tell ya. Everybody remembers their first good gym buddy. Yes, Jamie Palmer. Woo-hoo. Oh my gosh, Canada, yes. Jamie Palmer, and mine was Holly. Well, then it was Petrowski, but now Skomars. It's like, I always tell people, like people that are not into the gym, I say, if you can find a gym buddy, mm-hmm. it makes... Then, then the lifting or the workout becomes a byproduct. You, totally. But you want to go, like, it's you and me. Yeah. Like, if I know that you were waiting for me to text you that I'm awake at 445 and you're going to hit on your scooter and right? be at the gym, I'm going to get out of my bed and go to the gym. Yeah. And then I know, okay, I'll get to hang out with Paige and then we'll lift. Yeah. And so gym buddies, I'm telling you, and you remember. Mm-hmm. And, and I changed everything. remember her, like, wanting to, t- and she's a very, she was, I worked with her and she was a very, like, mom type. Like, she wanted she wanted to show you, you know, like she was like, this is the way to do it. So she would show me how to squat, you know, things like that. And then I was like, oh my God. And then I think with that, I dabbled in, um, a little bit of, I was a big cardio bunny. I, to where it was like, I would only do cardio and I would only eat, like I would restrict and do cardio. So that was a little messy cycle. I was in for a while. Um, little residual yeah um, control yeah it's because it's just something you can control which what bulimia was i could control what goes in and out of my body and 
But you stopped the purging piece of the bulimia. Yes. So unfortunately, like after that program ended, there was a little bit that you still, it's, you don't have, you're kind of on your own now. And I mean, like, like I said about my mom and sister, it was something that they didn't want to talk about. So I felt like they never were like, hey, do you ever have, do you, I, I think they just didn't want to bring it up. Because they didn't you're want me. Okay. Yeah. You're and, fine. You know, I, with people that don't struggle with it, it's very hard to, I think, understand how mentally, like, it's all your body, like, it's all you think of. That's all I thought of was eating and then getting rid of it. That was it. That was my whole day. And so I think they just thought, like, oh, you're cured. You know? Like, yeah. Like, which, oh, I wish. <laughs> yeah. No, step one, I mean... The dangerous part, I think, of bulimia is the throwing up. Oh, um, totally. Because, you know, of all of the ramifications of that to your body. Yeah. But then still, a lot of times I've heard, I've heard, and I can't speak to it, I, I haven't experienced it, but I've heard that, yeah, the, the restrictive eating piece is then the right. kind of the left, the leftover demon that... It's like you would restrict, restrict was at the top, and then you'd have the arrow of, like, restrict, 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 binge, purge, and I swear... Like, there were some days, of course, these wonderful, absolutely awful pro-Anna websites that I hope are all down now, um, would talk about, like, up to, like, 10 of those episodes a day. That's all you would do. You would just, you know, there were times I would, like, call off sick for work just to continue that cycle. And it just went on. And you got to think, like, the amount of, it's sick, but the amount of money that you spend you spend on food like it's awful that's one of the things actually from the overweight perspective of an eating disorder because I'm a binge eater um Mm -hmm. I've just never been a purger um so it's it's not the same but when I when I want to binge it's all on and it's 50 60 dollars worth of junk food that I will eat in a very short amount of time. And one of the, one of the things that I, that helped me get over that behavior to the degree that I have and that I help other people with is to put a dollar amount on it. How much do you think you spend on binge food in a week, in a month, in a year? What else could you spend that money on? Oh my God. And when you really can kind of get an idea of, of that side of it, it's often helpful to say, okay, this isn't just physical, mental. Also it's financial, Oh my um, gosh. And so some of those things, we don't even think about it. You hear someone's bulimic, they binge and purge. Right. We don't think about what, the going to the store, the picking it up, the buying yeah. it. Um, and then when you're hyper-restricting, if you're buying diet aids, diet pills, diuretics. Oh my gosh, that's like a whole, a whole other thing. There was, it's expensive. Oh my gosh. And that's why it's like there's that, that whole guilt thing because the amount of times that I lied to my family about food, you know, Mm -hmm. like, okay, who ate this, who ate that? And it's like, okay, so now I'm lying because obviously I ate it, you know what I mean? I was the only one home, but like Mm -hmm. I would just lie, lie through my teeth and I just wish I could have all the money in the world to buy my mom grocery store gift cards and just be like, I'm so sorry. You know, of course, my health is the biggest thing. But like that, you know, she wor- works her ass off to buy groceries for her daughters. And so it's like, but I have to remember that I wasn't in the a normal state in mind. Right. No, you were sick. And it's, 
you know, it's it's food, and but it's an addiction, and it mm-hmm. you put, goes in the category of alcohol, drugs, food, um, cigarettes. I mean, anything that's being used and abused in totally. those cycles. I mean, people go bankrupt. People are on drugs. They steal, rob banks, steal from yeah. family members. It's awful. Um, and obviously, we feel we feel responsible because it's us. But that's simply what disorders, addictions do. They steal. Yeah everything everything oh my god and it's such a dismal dark place to be in and that's why it's so important to talk about um recovery because when you are in those dark moments to know that other people have recovered yeah other people live um a happier healthier life it's possible to recover from anything and you know when I was fat, I would say, oh, God, I wish I was anorexic. You know, you wish for the more glamorous version of your addiction. Or right. drug addicts, I wish it was just alcohol because it's not looked down on or, you know, I can stop drinking. I mean, we, like, almost wish to have our thing be right. a more glamorous version. But it doesn't matter. Addiction is addiction, and it really steals our our ability to, well, our ability to shine and be ourselves. Totally. And then all of these behaviors that we feel bad about later but ultimately now logically i'm sure you know your mom doesn't have a bill in her head of how much she's just happy or healthy right totally so it's unfortunate but you know your relationship with yourself through you know in my opinion once we recover from some of these things then the healing continues i think for a lifetime to repair the relationship with ourselves and starts with Right. giving ourselves a little bit of a break for some of those things which how long would you say you've been recovered from bulimia probably unfortunately after that program there was a couple like i not years but like once every 4 months mm-hmm. so but for fully fully i can happily say recovered it was actually a new year's resolution that i'm like this is we're we're done because it was happened once then it was once every six months like twice a year but to me that still wasn't fully recovered and it was it was two two maybe two years ago that it was like a new year's resolution that is like to not purge yeah and actually what i think like had a little bit to do with it was i like used to drink like for fun I mean I'm like 26 so go out and drink and I noticed that that didn't help me because not even if I was drink hungry when I was drinking but like you sometimes I would overeat if I was drinking yeah and then then when you're of course well when I was drinking I just had a thought of well okay I'll do it this time and yeah but so it was a new year's resolution that's like stop you know this is like you're in another country you know you're having your life with your significant other I mean and he knew but he never he didn't know the extent of the behaviors so I'm gonna get him to listen to this of course but um so you so just backing up a little bit so you got out of the treatment program you mm -hmm. started working out you were in Canada you were how old 20 18 probably like early 20s early 20s and so so since then just continuing to work on the behaviors with 
foods mm-hmm. and restriction. So then you came to you came to America. Yes. US of A. Came to the States um, in, what year was that? That was 2018. 2018. Yeah. So now you're in a new place. Well, you came to visit. So tell us the story about how you ended up in Miami. Well, I love this story so much. Um, My sister and one of our best friends, Veronica, we went, we would go to Mexico. We just, we love to travel. And we always did a girl's trip. And I think Veronica was the only one, (laughs) one that was like in a serious relationship. My sister and I, just no luck, no luck with the boys in Canada. Um, but we, it was, we went to Miami in July, which probably wasn't the best idea. Oh, it was hot here, yeah. yeah <laughs> super hot, but we're little Canadians, so we're like, oh, bring on the heat. Yeah. Um, and it was the 4th of July, and they wanted to go out, and I think I wanted to go out, but there was like a part of me that's like, ugh. You know, we were going out every night. It was the 4th of July. We had to. And I remember we were stopped and we were eating lunch somewhere. And then we were walking back to our hotel. And one of one of these guys, they, there's promoters everywhere here in South Beach. But um, he was like, you guys need to come to SLS. They're having a pool party. And so we're like, oh, okay. Yeah, a pool party at SLS <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. You don't not go to that. Yeah. I, nobody's approached me and asked me to go, so. Oh, they asked my sister, friend. and she was like, oh my gosh, of course. So, there we go. We get all dressed up, or right, to rock and roll. Um, and I remember going there, and there was oh, this beautiful man, <laughs> beautiful man, and there's, you know, there was lots of beautiful, there's, it's Miami, there's beautiful, beautiful people, people everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> and there was just, there was something. I'll let you know anyone you just feel a little something with somebody and I think we walked by each other a couple of times but then as soon as I was leaving this this guy came up to me and he was so cocky oh my gosh like ew yeah ew gross (laughs) so confident and I was like oh my god what is with this guy but I was like, we were looking at each other all day so I was like there's something about him yeah anyways exchange numbers I hung out with him once before I went back to Canada. He was great. I didn't really think there was going to be anything that went there. Went back to Canada. Sad little sad little girl. There was this beautiful man in Miami that I just wanted to fly back and see. Well, it's sad. I always say the saddest places in Florida are the airports. Waiting for a flight. Leaving Florida. Going to Minnesota oh or Canada yeah. in like March. <laughs> even in July. So oh sad. Oh my gosh. Uh. And then it wasn't until, that was July, it wasn't until November that he finally bought a ticket back for me to oh. come and see. And then I remember him picking me up at the airport with this beautiful French bulldog that I met before, of course, Freckles, my baby to my heart. Um, but with this cute, oh, I was like, oh, I love, at least if the trip goes crappy, I have this wonderful dog. dog. Oh, yeah, God. dogs. And But he picked <laughs> me up from the airport and he's like, okay, so my mom's coming in. And I'm like, oh. What? what? I have to meet your mom? And this was Thanksgiving. And his roommates were having their family. Like, it was this big thing. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I was freaking out. I'm like, what if his mom doesn't like me? Anyways. That's a lot. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. went back to Canada. Went back, I think, two times. And and now it's three years later. And we got married after, what, less than six months of knowing each other. Wow. (laughs) Three years on May 5th. Yeah. Oh my gosh, May 2nd. No, May 2nd. Oh, whoops. Can that was embarrassing. <laughs> no, I'm leaving that one in. Yeah. So that's how you got to the United States and happily married mm-hmm. to Mr. Page. 
um, with all the doggies. And yeah, so you get here and you tell him. So what did you tell him about your eating past? Because I have this conversation too where I have men that are afraid I'm going to get fat again, um, which is a valid thing. You know, if you... um, but in your situation as well, it's disordered eating, and how much do you want to disclose to somebody? Right. So what, how did you handle that? So at the beginning, I when I was in Miami the first time, I was like very very skinny because I was rest, I was a little bit restrictive. But you know, at that time, I thought it was normal because I was keeping everything in. I wasn't purging. Okay. Yeah. But when I met him, I was very skinny, and I just thought I was I looked great. <laughs> um, which I, you know, looking back, I think I looked okay. Um, but I actually, before I told him, I told his mom and we definitely bonded on something because she, you know, as a woman, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of women go through similar things. Um, and then I remember one day I just kind of told him like, I struggled with this a little bit and went into somewhat of the day program that I did back in Canada and he was just like, oh, you're perfect. Like, kind of like, don't, don't worry about don't that. Worry That's about in it. the past. Everyone has something. And it was just, I, I still, like, we talked about it a little bit. I never went into the behaviors because it's something that he's not really familiar with that I'm not going to, like, bring it up right. because it's not it's not part of I don't like to look at it as part of me anymore it's like that part I'm gonna leave there um but he's just like the most supportive person ever and like oh my god I love him so much (laughs) um yeah but like he he knows about it he's he's educated and on my behalf as much as I think he needs to when I have hard days which I still do like still have very hard days um, he's like the first person that's like, you know, you got to look at where you are now yeah. versus where you were. So, yeah. So let's talk about a little bit, a little bit about what your life is like now. Cause when I met you and started eating or started eating you, <laughs> I'd never, never taken a bite out of your arm when I started <laughs> training you and doing nutrition coaching with you. Um, when you started with me, you had a few extra pounds on your body that you yep. didn't like. And, you know, I, I'm a nutritionist and I, I get all the info before I write a plan for somebody. So, you know, taking in the, into account age, height, weight. So Paige was definitely not overweight, but you, you had extra fat on you. Yep. So, which I think looking at hearing your history, I mean, that's actually an awesome, beautiful accomplishment that, you know, obviously your, your eating hasn't been a perfect journey, but that you are able to feed yourself, keep it in to even to the point where you go, okay, um, now I actually need to do something proactive to keep my weight at a healthy weight. And so maybe your brain doesn't quite, you don't agree with that, but from where I sit, you know, that's an indication of pretty full circle healing as far as being able to feed your body. And so now, you know, your plan is, is what, what I prescribe. Now there's a lot of coaches out there that have different strategies for coaching clients on nutrition. There's lots of different ways to live your life. The way that I coach and the way that I believe in is to track what you eat and to, you know, have boundaries around what you eat. Intuitive eating doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for a lot of people. And so, you know, sitting down with a client like Paige where there's history of disordered eating, it's really important to note behaviors and to note um, things that are triggering with anxiety and all of those things. And so what's been interesting with Paige is um, 
is the willingness to be vigilant, pay attention, but also to say this particular part of the plan really gives me anxiety because of where I've come from. And and when you when you approach something like that, you can find a way around it. You can find a way to be comfortable um, with behaviors and with foods if you're willing to continue to kind of put your to, to actually be a little uncomfortable and to say, I don't believe you because of my disordered past, but I also know I have a disordered past and so I will trust you. Right. I'll try this and then embrace it. And so that, no matter where you come from, that's an important piece. So this is getting very long, my blabbing. So my <laughs> question to you is, or, um, well, I will just describe. So Paige is sitting in front of me. Paige has like rippling muscles. She has really healthy um, body composition and she's got a lot of muscle on her body. So she's a, you know, a, a small person, you're five, five, um, but has this amazing body composition. So the only thing that she has to do now is just continue to hone and tweak and, you know, continue to work and work on her relationship with herself and food. But to get from being so skinny, you're in a day program to somebody that in the gym is lifting heavy weights, muscles bur- bulging. <laughs> I mean, it's really a beautiful transition. So I want you just to talk a little bit about what you see in the mirror now and why what you do now works for you. Yeah. So I've always, I found that I've always kind of tracked, I've had a Fitbit for like, I don't even remember how long, but I've always tracked what I've ate. And before I met you, I was a very like, I only ate lunch and I ate the same thing for lunch all the time. And then for dinner, I kind of went like, also the wall, whatever you want to eat because you kind of restricted for the beginning of the day. So that was kind of a program, like what I was going through. And then I just felt like I was on a hamster wheel. Like I was like, okay, well I'm doing X amount of cardio. I'm not eating breakfast. Why? Like what's going on? Like I was so frustrated. And then so when I met you and we got on like, I had more of like a plan to what I was working on. Like I felt like I was making my own workouts, but maybe I wasn't pushing myself or like really understanding what I was doing. I just kind of worked out, worked out. Yeah. But... I, so I, I felt crappy, even though I was, like, doing so much cardio all the time. So much cardio. I, uh, I was looking at myself, and I was like, oh, my God. They're, like, you you suck. <laughs> you look like crap. And When well, um, you end up, when you do a lot of cardio and you don't have a nutrition plan, your body, your body is soft. Your body holds yeah. on to fat for cushion, and there's nothing to build muscle. And so that is why this whole idea, and I did it for years too. I mean, it's, it's only a couple years since I discovered like, whoa, I can do very little cardio and love my body and look better. Um, but when left to our own devices, we think, you know, burn more calories, eat less food, we're going to look better. And so it, it doesn't work. No. And like now I, I used to, I remember telling you, like, I just want to be skin and bones. Just let me be skin and bones and the skinniest thing. And I'm just going to be like this happy little skipping around town you know like just happy but you weren't you were tired you couldn't (laughs) skip (laughs) and so now it's like oh my god all I want to do is be able to lift heavy things and just be like this short like small person but strong I just want to be strong now I I don't really and I, I keep like I swear every week I like look at my husband and I'm like I'm like is my butt getting bigger like what is it do you notice anything he's like 
like, yeah, you look great. And he even said, he's like, she knows what she's doing. Like, <laughs> let her keep doing her thing. And I was like, oh, I like okay. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's just like, there's definitely days where I think everyone's like this, when you're either bloated or you just, you feel blah. Yeah. I definitely have those days. But like now looking at myself, it's like, you're kind of a badass. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, you are kind of a badass. You're empowered. I like myself. So it's very, like, it's so nice to be. And, of course, every day is, like, not a struggle, but there's definitely things that are, like, come back to you that it's like, yeah. oh, well, it would be so much easier. But it wouldn't. It would not be easier. Right. So. Well, and... And there's a level of recovery that kind of is the baseline. Like you say, you know, we haven't binged in, you know, and I like that you don't track the days. I'm not knocking people who track the days, but when I know people that don't track the days since they last did something, it indicates to me um, a real divorce of that behavior. It's kind of like, I don't count the days since the last time I peed my pants or (laughs) that I fell down because I don't intend on doing it again. It's not something I'm entertaining. It's just not part of my life. And I think, so you have that baseline recovery. And then when we have disordered eating or we have eating a bad relationship with our food patterns, whether it's anorexia or bulimia or obesity, there's constant work on behaviors and patterns. And so um, to pay, I always tell all my clients, pay attention to what this, what happens in your mind when you do this. Pay attention to how you feel. Like I give, I give Paige an extra calorie bucket because um, it works for her instead of having the option to have certain foods every day. There's certain foods that like there's pizza night. Heck yeah. She likes pizza night. I told my husband we can't do pizza night like a couple Sundays ago. And he's like, what? What's going on? No. So that matters in Paige's life. So the way that you live forever, being able to say, I want to have pizza with my husband, but I also want to have a physique that I love. And, you know, I want to, I want to keep this body composition. So then to say, all right, you have a calorie bucket. You can use it however you wish. You use it for pizza. Now Paige knows I can have this balls to the walls pizza night. Yeah. And look in the mirror on Monday morning and my body's just fine. Yeah. I can trust this process. But it used to give you some anxiety. So much anxiety because I used to feel like I have now noticed that like carbs are not the devil. Yeah. Like, we like carbs. And what we're doing now a little bit is somewhat carb cycling, but not. You know, I have higher carb and then like lower carb. But I don't want to spiel on that. But um, it's like, oh, I know I'm going to be okay on Monday. And it's just like, I get so excited for pizza night now. And you and should. It's, like, it's a fun I wake thing. up on Sunday. And when I go to bed on Saturday, it's like, oh, tomorrow night's pizza night. It's so excited. Yeah. And that's the, that's the beauty. That's like food freedom. Now you're free yeah. to eat pizza instead of the compulsion and then the anxiety. Like pizza shouldn't come with a side of anxiety. Yeah. But you're choosing it within your plan, which I think is awesome. And then there's other things that you're really tied to and there's other parts of your routine that you're really tied to. And there are other things that a page was not doing that I was like, listen, water, you'll get up at 4am and come and lift <laughs> heavy things. But if I ask you to drink your water, you don't want to, oh, you don't want to drink your water. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And so she's sitting here with her jug of water. She yes. has a jug that works. It's like, I'm, I'm almost at, I'm a gallon and a half day yes Trying to... i was gonna say oh shoot did we ruin i thought for a second that this podcast uh also oh, no. didn't record i'd be like no we're it's not no. meant to be but anyway um so all of that to say 
I have a lot of people in my programs and the weight um, that needs to be lost um, amongst my clients ranges from five pounds to a hundred pounds. And it's really easy for people to sit in a group call with all of most of my clients on one call, look at each other and make big assumptions about each other and like, oh, this person has no idea what I deal with because they clearly are comfortable being overweight. Or this person has no idea what I deal with because they look like they don't even need to lose weight. Or this person's older than me or younger than me. But I sit there and I hear all the things from everybody. And um, I just want to say loudly that nobody gets out of this thing unscathed. We all have something. And the, the number one food relationship issue that you have, there's probably 10 out of 12 people standing in a room that it's the exact same thing. Um, and the number one thing that it really comes down to for everyone is a relationship with yourself, self love. And that's why we tend to, um, use food as a tool to manipulate how we show up or how we feel about ourselves. So, um, I'd like for you to speak about that just a little bit as far as what your relationship with yourself was at your darkest, lowest moments, and then what it is now and how you continue to work on it. Yeah. So probably when I was at my darkest, like, darkest time, it was still that it was so crazy because I would look at myself physically and be like, you look great. But then it would be because of the behaviors I would look at myself and be like you're disgusting like Mm. look at what you're doing and it was so it was honestly during the darkest time it was all like you're disgusting think about how much you've lied you know what I mean like it Mm. was just this utter like I was repulsed repulsive to myself Mm. and that is a very sad and scary thing and So, like, looking back, that's, it was awful. A very, very negative, negative dialogue all day from the moment you woke up. You had those behaviors to the time you went to bed, you know? And so now it's, like, I feel very happy to be able to talk about this because Mm -hmm. I remember, like, even actually... Like, some people that I've worked with or they know somebody and I would never, I would always be like, never say that, oh, yeah, you know, I used to struggle with this because it's like, oh, my God, that wasn't me. You know, like, I don't want to even connect myself to, because when people talk about it, it's more of like a, ugh, you know, Mm. and it's like, it's not like, it's sad. It's a very sad thing. And so now it's like, I really just want people to know that, like, you're not obviously alone like regardless of the way that you look you don't know what somebody goes through and like I feel like every day I'm still if I have like a negative kind of thought in my head I can just kick back with something a little more positive and I just feel like my mindset is like done just like a 180 which is oh my gosh it's so nice yeah I feel like I have more room like more room to do things up in my mind you know what I mean when we're not obsessing about food and our relationship with food, we get, we have time to think about other things. Yeah, but there is one thing that, you know, some people will look at me and be like, oh, she's obsessive over, you know, like what she eats or tracking or like she has to eat after a certain amount of hours. But if that's what's going to keep me from not going back in that rabbit hole, then I'm going to be doing that for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, so if I need to eat certain things or eat every three hours well i'm sorry that's gonna be me 
<laughs> well, and those are skills that are taught to people in recovery programs, yeah. not only for anorexia, but for obesity. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, getting your body to, to, to eat on a schedule so that your body has normal hunger and satiety cues based on when you feed it um, is it, it's a healthy habit. And any habit can become obsessive. Yeah. Um, and it's really important to always continue to look at why you're doing something. If you're tracking your food to punish yourself, that's obviously the unhealthy side of it. Yeah. But if you're tracking your food and eating on a schedule so that you don't have to think about or obsess about food and you know I'm feeding myself and this is how I do it, then that's a beautiful tool. It's just like somebody who is um, you know, in massive credit card debt and oh, they go right. get help. They get put on a budget. They get put on all cash. And they learn to be mindful about their money so they don't um, stress about it. Now, not everybody has to do that, nor does it work for everybody. But it's important for all of us to be very empowered about our story so that other people can, A, know that there's hope, and B, know that there's a billion different ways to skin a cat here. You get to decide what your relationship with food is instead of being passive and like, this happened to me, to say, no, now I... I'm choosing my food. Right. I'm going to choose how I feed myself. You're feeding yourself. Yeah. And it's there's important. lots of people that I know that are like, um, I have, it'll be like 4 p.m. And they're like, oh, I haven't eaten anything all day. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but, <laughs> how then, are you about- but then I have people that, you know, look at me and they're like, you eat all the time. And that before would be such a trigger. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, am I eating too much? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, screw you. You know? Yeah. Who's hangry? You, not me. Right. <laughs> and you do eat all the time. You I should. You're a human and you work out really hard. And yeah. like one of my favorite things in, you know, I get to work out with Paige. I get to see her in action. And I have a lot of clients. I don't, I don't work out with all my clients. So I write plans and I know that they do stuff. But I get the opportunity because we live right here that um, she's my lifting buddy. And to see... Like, I'm so in awe of, like, looking over. She's picking up something heavy, and her muscles are bulging. And I think all the time, I'm like, this is a girl that really came came from a really dark place into this empowered place. And that's empowering. And it's – to see her walking down the street, I would never guess that there's somebody that ever had a dark day. You're happy, you're chipper, you're wearing pink, <laughs> you're on your scooter, you're fit, you're healthy. And it's just such a beacon of hope. To, to people, you know, too too much weight on their body or too little weight on their body. Yeah. Um, you can have a happy, healthy relationship with food in your body. And it takes work. Oh, my. Every day, so. I feel like they're, you know, I'll have a negative, a negative thought. But that, that's only a thought, you know. Like, it's not, you don't have to act on it. Just because something goes on in your mind, you know, can just kick it back. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to do anything. Yeah. Could be lying so. to you. I'm very excited because I've convinced Paige to think about her future. Um, and so I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit of a pusher. Just, just I can't help just it. Just a little bit. So at some point, um, Paige will be able to be your personal trainer. So <gasps> yes. tell everybody what you're doing. My mom, well, my mom was my first. I'm going through actually the same... Is it company? I don't know. Company? NASM? NASM, yeah. yeah National Academy it, of it, Sports like Medicine company, or something. Is that what you call it? I don't know. But, um, yeah. But I'm going through NASM to get my um, certificate to be a personal trainer. And nutritionist. Yes. Which is so, awesome. I'm very excited about that. And it's like, my mom was my first little test bunny back in Canada. And I remember, I love her dearly, but it's like, I 
30 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't do this. We would go home and she would just smoke or eat like crap. Mom, I love you, but we're, we need to get on that. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, and it's, well, for, to be fair, I don't know that I could ever train my mom either. Sometimes it's hard to train people that are close to you. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, this is the thing. There's a billion personal trainers, right? Yeah. There's a billion, but you know, I have clients that are very loyal to me because of who I am in my story. And right. you will have clients that are loyal to you because, um, you, because of your story. So this is like the ultimate you know, full circle of taking dark things, hard things, yeah. and turning them into an empowering platform to then help other people. Because now your body is healthy, which serves you, but now you can take that and use that to make other people right. walk around in healthy bodies. And that's the thing. You know, exciting. people that love you, your family, and they tell you like, to do this or that because it's not good for you. Sometimes you just don't want to listen because you're like, oh, you're my family. But if someone, you know, that was like in your position, that's like, oh my God, I've been there. Like, yes. please just let me, let me just show you that you don't always have to live like this. Like yeah. there's, there's a, there's a light, you know, at the end of the tunnel, like, please just, just follow, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, follow me. So. Like I've been there. I've been in the well. I've got the dirt on me. Yeah. From where you were. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Well, I'm super proud of you. Thank Thanks you. for sharing. Oh, of course. It's so fun to hear. I mean, I didn't know any of this. I said, I knew you had a story, but I'm like, we're just going to sit down and you're going to tell it. Yeah. So you're 26. Yes. Just a young little baby compared to my oldness. Um, but I would say if you can change one thing um, and it will be better for the rest of your life, you're 26. So you'll probably live another, well, like 70 years. So every time you make uh, one more swig out of your water jug or make one more <laughs> good choice, it's going to pile up and benefit you for another 75 years. Isn't that yeah. exciting? Oh my gosh, yes. It's exciting. So there's your hope, your hope nugget yeah. for the day. I honestly never thought I'd be able to drink water. But like, I just got to give it to the little, the crystal packets, the crystal light packets. Those still count as water, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank God. I was going to say, I've been chugging all that. Yes. <laughs> I've been plain water. So an upcoming episode, we're going to be doing all the like tips and tricks and hacks for getting water down, for low calorie treats, for um, all these different things. But uh, we'll just say right here, Paige bought a half gallon jug and she just fills it and brings it everywhere. And the thing is, if you have a backpack or a purse, you don't want to lug it around if it's heavy. So I'm like, oh my gosh, well, I got to get on my scooter. It's going to hurt my shoulders. I want to drink a little bit more. So yeah, little tips and tricks. Half gallon, if you carry it with you, it's always there. And she's yeah. doing some of it sitting There's only here. a couple of people that make fun of me, but I mean, it's okay. Well, let Did you get your gallon of water in today? Nope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, it's these little things. So good job yeah. on the water. Thanks. So there's your water tip. Get a little half gallon jug and fill it twice and then you have it with you. So lug it around. All right. Well, that's all we have for you. Thanks for being here, Paige. Of course. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. If you have questions about this or um, questions for Paige, you can uh, circle up and I'll make sure I'll see, you know, I'll see you're in the gym at 5 a.m. and ask her and uh, circle back. And um, you can follow me on Instagram as usual. And you'll usually see pictures of Paige and me lifting. <laughs> And flexing. <laughs> Definitely. In the morning. So, all right. That's all we have. All Bye. Right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email. Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, the Kristen Experience. And make sure you share this podcast with a friend. 
That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.